Proverbs chapter 14, verses 20 and 21 and 31. The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. In my own writing on this, I wrote about the rich young ruler uh, who um, plays a prominent role in three of the four Gospels. And I write, the rich young ruler in the Gospel account, for example, is a good man by human standards. But he rejects Jesus in sadness because he cannot discard the treasure he has for the treasure Jesus promises. And then I finish by saying, Jesus is saying that God will not judge us by the weight of the coins in our pocket. It may be hard to believe that another standard might exist, but Jesus is telling us that, indeed, there is another standard. That's exactly right. I think the Gospel of Luke is a great narrative that illustrates Mm -hmm. the way Jesus thinks about the rich and the poor. And... He doesn't, well, basically, I think in throughout Luke, it shows that he thinks of them the same. He looks for their poverty. Remember when he meets the rich young ruler and he says, one of the statements that he says is one thing you lack. Right? So he's interested in what that person lacks, he's not the amount of coins in his pocket. That's what he has. Jesus points out what he lacks. And then when he, when he meets a poor person, you know, and he says, what would you like, or a blind person, what would you like me to do for you? Do you want to see, you know, he's looking for the lack with, where's the problem? Where's the deficiency? Where's the poverty? Jesus is here to address that thing. And he calls us into that work as well. That's really the invitation that I hear in this proverb. Um, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. It's easy, I think. I just had a conversation recently with a young man in our congregation who moved to New York City, and he was visiting his parents back in our church. I had a conversation with him outside the church doors after worship, and I asked him how it's going living in the city. And he said, it's going okay. He said, there's a lot of homeless people around my apartment building. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're kind of like... Um, you know, assaulting me and practically every day asking for money. And he said, I'm really struggling in my heart because I want to help them, but I'm feeling really resentful towards them. I know the Bible says I'm supposed to help. Can you help me figure that out? So we prayed about it, but it is a struggle. I think it's easier in our human instinct to just resent the poor. Ah, get away from me, these poor people. Ah, you know, if I'm for being honest, it's kind of the sinful human fleshly response to them. But Right here in the Bible, it says, whoever is kind to the needy honors God. You can you know, put, get really political on this really fast about what, what would really help the poor. What does it mean to show kindness to the poor? But on a very basic human level, I think God invites us to um, show kindness to the poor. And when we do that, we, we show honor to God, it says in Proverbs. The, um, whoever is kind to the needy honors God. That's something to take seriously. What do you, you know, there is a lot of poverty on the streets and and in certain cities, it's it's blowing up to be a a major issue. Uh, And back in the 20s, maybe even before then, the church gave up some of its uh, its role in helping the poor. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it became a social um, enterprise rather than a Christian one. Right. And so the, they weren't hearing anything more about Christ. Uh, they were getting fed, sort of. They were sometimes getting housed. But they, they had become dependent not on God, but on people. And man, that's dangerous. Because apparently the people ultimately did not have the tools to make any significant changes in the life of these people that found themselves on the streets for whatever reason. And so it was a, it was a misapplication of this, uh, this social gospel or whatever you want to call it, that it only Jesus can actually, in the end of the day, be the one that will change hearts. If their hearts aren't changed, what's going to change for them if they're getting fed occasionally or whatever? It's a, it's a terrible problem because and I think the church has a little bit of a role in it. Um, in, well, in, in, I, I think the church has a major role yeah, in it. Yeah, I was being you know, when, when we, <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> when, by the church, by the church, it's, it's all, all of us Christians. You know, that's the church. It's not yeah, necessarily an institutional true. thing. It's, it's us. Um, and, I, you know, we complain often that, you know, the government is terrible at actually addressing the poverty problem. And that's true. But the only reason I think the government stepped in to try to help the poverty problem is because... Christians weren't doing our job. You know, if we were really following the morality of the Bible, the heart of God, there would be no need for anybody else to try to step in and help because all the poor people would be kind of woven into the fabric of the Christian community and cared for and empowered. Um, So I I see, you know, I don't want to put all the blame on Christians, but I, I just feel that if we did our job, if we followed God's commands and served the poor, the world would be a better place and um, there wouldn't be such reliance on government. I, I, I want to end with uh, one thing, one more thing about the rich young ruler, uh, special irony. Uh, and I'm not sure which version uh, of this is three in the three gospels of Mark, Matthew and Luke, but one of them, if not all of them, says, you know, why do you call me good? And, 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 and Jesus, uh, the guy, the rich young ruler says he's done all of the things uh, that uh, represent good, which are the second half of the Ten Commandments. But what he misses, and this is where the irony is, he doesn't actually give us the first four, which is the uh, nature right. of God. Yeah. And yeah. yet he is looking at the Son of God right there in front of him. <laughs> he misses that. And, and so yeah. the, 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 the material things that he, that prevent him from taking the step is actually what you have to see in the face of Jesus is God himself. And once you see that the material things then are uh, uh, products of a believer's life rather than uh, just a kind mm-hmm. of a laundry list. That's great. Yeah.